Rewind. Happy Halloween, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday Night Rewind uh, episode... It's been a while. It's been a long fucking time since we've done this show. I don't even remember what the last rewind we wa- we did was, Kyle. I'm going to look this up as you go, but yeah, I'm going to say it, it's good to be here and uh, let you carry on with the show while I do that research of our own program. Uh, <laughs> firstly, uh, this is our Halloween edition of Wednesday Night Rewind. Uh, I asked Kyle last week to pick something spooky to watch, and in response he said, how about CM Punk versus Ryback in Hell in a Cell? And I said, that's <laughs> terrifying for both us and Punk. Um this is a this was a show. This was a show, Hell in a Cell 2013. Um well, I guess we'll we'll start the show like we normally do. Uh Rob, our uh, longtime listener and friend to the show, Rob uh, Rob Smith. Uh he 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 provided us as he usually does uh some facts about the 2013 Hell in a Cell pay-per-view and they are as such. This was um, the- before we get into it. Okay. I do want to tell you First of all, this is spooky episode number 13 of Wednesday Night Rewind. And funny you should say it, our last uh, rewind was Halloween Havoc 2000. It's amazing. It's amazing that we we, we got this shit done early, I suppose. Um, Before I get into this, any Halloween plans? Have you you, uh, picked up a costume? Are you going to a party? I am going to a party on the on the Saturday, though I do not currently have a costume, so I've got a couple days to try to piece one together. Not sure how that's going to work, because I don't have a lot of costumey clothing, but we'll figure something out. It's definitely, yeah. I, I have, uh, because of your suggestion of watching the show Ted Lasso, am going as Ted Lasso for Halloween. I have the costume in the living room. It was delivered by producer RJ just last night. Um, I'm very excited about this. The the Richmond, uh, the uh, their uh, tracksuit fits perfectly. Uh, AFC Richmond, yes. Um, I I cannot rec- recommend that show enough. Um, I'm actually doing my first live hosting gig at the restaurant that I work at. We're having a Halloween party on Friday night, and I am emceeing the event. So my first live in-person hosting gig. I've been doing this for three years, so you'd think that I'd be all right at this, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, best um, of luck to you, for sure. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we'll, we'll get into this, though. Uh, Hell in a Cell 2013. These are the, this is the Rob's Roundup. It was the fifth Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, and it drew uh, uh, 212 uh, pay-per-view buys. It was held at the American Airlines Center uh, Arena in Miami, now called the FTX Arena. It drew a crowd of 9,000 out of a possible 15,000 seats. Uh, Here's a fun fact for you. CM Punk were in Hell in a Cell. uh, We're in a Hell in a Cell match for the second year in a row. This was the second Hell in a Cell CM Punk Ryback match. Ugh, yuck. Yeah. Uh, I, no wonder he left that company. Um, the match was supposed to be a handicap match with Paul Heyman beside Ryback, but uh, obviously we saw the scissor lift drop <laughs> Heyman off on the top of the cell. Um, uh, Punk got a bunch of offense in afterwards. The night after, because uh, John Cena wins the world heavyweight title off of Alberto Del Rio on this show, the night after, Damian Sandow, who was the Money in the Bank winner, 
cashed in unsuccessfully on John Cena, and I believe it was the first unsuccessful cash-in. You're correct. It is the first one that we've ever had. Uh, we've since had two more, I believe. Yeah, Baron Same Corbin. Uh, Baron Corbin was one of them. Do you remember the other one? I don't. So I just had it in my mind. Now I'm forgetting. I'm going to have to look this up. You keep going with the roundup, and I'll tell you who that is. Okay. Um, Randy Orton won his eighth world title on this show. Uh, and Punk and Brian were both attacked the next night by the Wyatt family. Uh, which set up a dream tag team match of Punk and Brian against the Wyatt family. Obviously, Punk mentioned that one of the reasons he went over to AEW was his uh, friendship with Luke Harper and how they treated him there. Um, top rated match. The, the top rated match on the card was the triple threat tag team match, which got four stars. The mixed tag got 0.25 stars from our friend Dave Meltzer. Uh, deservingly so. It earned every bit of those stars. Yeah. Uh, and then he, he, he closes his roundup with, honestly, this is right in the middle of one of the worst runs of WWE programming. I never watched it live, and I refuse to watch it now. And that's Rob, everybody. Kyle, we have changed uh, the format to this show. Oh, sorry, you wanted to say something. Go ahead. Ron Strowman. We mentioned it earlier. Or actually, I should say that. We mentioned it on uh, the earlier in the night of us recording, but on a different show. Uh, Braun Strowman failed to cash in because he uh, fought in Hell in a Cell, and that match was thrown out when uh, Mick Fo- referee Mick Foley got maced. That's right. That's right. Wow, what a terrible event this, is, this has become. <laughs> like... This is truly haunting. Truly haunting. Kyle, we have changed the format to our show. We used to do this long form like we did, used to do the other shows. We've changed the other show to a top five. Wednesday Night Walt becomes, has become a top five show, or top five centric anyway. We decided that uh, in, in honor of that, we are going to be changing the format of this show. And you're now going forward, Wednesday Night Rewinds will be simply a top ten of what we watched. And man... It was hard to come up with 10 for this show. My God. Uh, oh, yes. Well, I mean, the good thing about this is that 10, um, it can be good and bad. Yes, exactly. And I have a lot of bad. So <laughs> it's the, I, have the, a lot of, I have a lot of neutral. Uh, so let's go through the show quickly yes. uh, to say what happened. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Goldust, you know, as you do. Hey, say what you will. They had a great run at this time. They did. Um, they defeated the Usos and the Shield uh, for to defend their tag ta- championships. Fandango and Summer Rae beat the Great Khali and Natalia. What a pair. Um, Biggie Langston beat Dean Ambrose by countout. Uh, it was a United States title match, so Ambrose retained because it was a countout victory. CM Punk defeated Ryback and Paul Heyman in his quote-unquote handicap match. Los Matadors defeated the real Americans, one of whom was not American. That would be uh, the super team of Jack Swagger and Cesaro. John Cena defeated Alberto Del Rio to win the World Heavyweight Championship. AJ Lee defended her Divas title over Brie Bella. And Randy Orton defeated Daniel Bryan to win the WWE title with special guest referee who definitely didn't have any impact in the match, Shawn Michaels. Um, so... 
I have no honorable mentions. None I, whatsoever. I, I did not either. Uh, there's nothing else that needs to be known. Uh, you know, I'll give one um, honorable mention. The panel show, the panel team of Josh Matthews, Dolph Ziggler, R-Truth, and Caitlin was one of the... <clears throat> it was so like... Oh my goodness, they were trying. Mm-hmm. This the is, chemistry was not there at all. This is pre-WWE Network era stuff, right? So they're pushing the YouTube hard. They're doing all that stuff. And they're trying to find a way to kind of break through that threshold of we're not mainstream anymore. We want to get back there. And I, I like I will I will say as odd as it, the, the, all of these guys together were, I feel like their segment on the show wasn't bad. Uh, Caitlin, no. Caitlin, I listen. She seemed like a sweet lady, um, but her her stuff was kind of hard to listen to. Like I feel I mean, like what made it tricky though is that she's having to talk about the Divas Championship as though like you know it's not hard to big up AJ Lee, but um, she's having to talk about how this is the, that's the most exciting thing on the show, and it was far from. Um, yeah, except like I'll say this. In terms of in terms of pure work rate on an individual basis, how many people this on this night outworked AJ Lee? I think it was I think you could do it on one hand. Yeah, it's true. It's true. She carried this match, that's for sure. Um and that's no no disrespect. There were six hard working people in the opening match, which we will get to. But um like, and it, but it just like they didn't really play off of each other, which was the the loss in that panel. But um, they were all each individual person was trying hard. Yeah, you could see Dolph Ziggler really struggling, trying to get Miz over as a babyface and a, and a tough guy. Uh, yes. that was a struggle certainly. Yeah, but that's the thing is that it's it felt very forced. Absolutely, which is a shame, and I feel like. The benefit of those panels is allowing people to be able to speak freely, which in this era of WWE just wasn't something they were willing to do. Should we get into this, Kyle? Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, I'll start. So I wanna, I'll let you have control of the wheel here later on. I'm going to open with something controversial. Okay. CM Punk and Ryback was not as bad as I expected it was. Ooh, ooh. It was a... Here, let me be clear about this. It felt every one of those 13 minutes. <laughs> but CM Punk worked hard to do as much as he could to try to make that match salvageable. And Ryback was helped uh, at least a bit by the stipulation because he could throw CM Punk into stuff. Now, did he do that a lot? Not really. No, no. They they definitely worked a punk style match, and I think this is the, well. I mean, let's let's be honest. The punk's gone after Ryback before. This is he's made it very clear he hated working with Ryback. But this is a year after they worked together the first time. So perhaps there was a collusion between the two of them where he just looked at him and said, "Please let don't kill me this time. Let's let's work together and make this." salvageable yeah um yeah yeah i also had um, this at number 10 because i 
just I did not enjoy this. I mean, it was it was not, and that's the thing. There's nothing really good about it. Obviously, Ryback, like, what are you gonna? I mean, what are you gonna do? He's he was very limited. In what and is there a more Vince McMahon character than Ryback? I don't. I I remember. So here's here's something I will I'll tell you my first because um, again I wasn't watching during this era right so I want to remind you of how I learned about Ryback. Um, Ryback was uh, this this was this would have been WWE 2K 16 I think so this was in the Austin one yeah went into the career mode of that one with my babyface character and. There was a scene that played out during the, a tableau that played out during my match, which was Ryback, you know, hulking. Feed me more. Yeah, can barely move because of the bulging muscles, Ryback, chasing after Seth Rollins. And this would have been Seth Rollins right after, um, his turn to be part of the corporation. Right. But I didn't know this at the time. I didn't know who either of these people were at the time because I was, you know, I was not in into wrestling at the po- this point. So the the game gives me the option of: Do you help Ryback or do you help um, Seth Rollins? And I'm like, I'm a baby face. I'm not going to help the hulking monster who's chasing after this small man. I'm going to help the small man. Little did I know that all of a sudden I am now the the healiest heel because I wasn't helping Ryback. Can you imagine bringing a guy in of like Ryback and having Vince McMahon look, look at him and be like, "That's the greatest babyface in the world." Well, I'll, I'll say this. So I remember the Ryback debut, and Ryback was treated very much so like Bill Goldberg was in his early debut in WCW. He was squashing guys. He was squashing multiple guys at once, throwing and doing the, his finishing move to multiple tiny, tiny wrestlers. And it was months of this months of him just destroying guys in the ring. And at some point the crowd was just kind of like, yeah, all right, let's, let's see him kill these guys this week. And they ran with him as a baby face for a little bit. And it wasn't a terrible run, but that's, really right around the time where we hit that head with CM Punk for the first time. And that's when the crowd just went, nah, we like Punk. We don't like you anymore. And it just, it was, there was a point where he had a WrestleMania match against Mark Henry. Mark Henry, who was already past his prime. This is already Hall of past Hall of Pain. I believe this is past Salmon Jacket. Um, yeah. Hall, Hall of Pain, Hall of Pain was right, uh, was right after the Salmon Jacket. So, this is maybe it was maybe it was at the end of that run and they had this wrestlemania match where it looked like it was going to be a passing of the torch type match no 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 mark henry goes over pretty soundly and ryback from that point forward is basically nothing uh he he got an intercontinental title run i believe never did that never did the big title and uh has proven to be quite the piece of shit since he's left the WWE. So there is that. Uh, he's one of those guys who's like, uh, I am Ryback, so I will legally change my name to Ryback. 
and I'm going to do a podcast where I talk about new, all of my nutrition stuff and how much I hate Vince McMahon and fuck AEW too. The best the, Ryback posting, where should I go next? And Twitter two times telling him to retire. Um, yeah, that's Ryback. Uh, but that's, yeah, it was also my number 10, CM Punk and Ryback. I, uh, I did not enjoy this. I will say, I, I, I think the thing I dis, didn't enjoy about it the most was this is the first time we've watched a pay per view with CM Punk in the WWE era that you've sat down to watch a CM Punk match, and I'm like, why is the first one he has to watch Ryback? I, I will say this: um, this match wasn't good, but it didn't make me feel nothing like the tag match. Happened later. Yes. So that tag match was not included on my list. Okay. Fair enough. You can enough. talk about it if you want to. What, what sir, is your uh, number nine? <sighs> Natty did her best, man. Yep. And this is 2013, Natalia. She would have been, you no, know, I mean, she'd been in the company for quite a while, but you know. Um. This was, I mean, it's still pre Divas Deserve a Chance. Um, so, you know, the, they hadn't hammered out Natty's character really yet. I think this was the era where she was making out with Kali in the back. Sure. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> like, here's the thing I will say this. I'm glad Fandango and Summer Rae clearly learned their dance choreography. They 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 did it. It wasn't amazing salsa, but it was salsa. Um, as somebody who has taken salsa dance lessons before, um, uh, that is a fun fact I've never heard about <laughs> from you before. Neither <laughs> here nor there. Um, but here's what I'll say about the like this, huh? Because like. Fandango's uh, was a bit more of a late bloomer in terms of his... Now, he was popular, certainly. But in terms of, like, work rate and in terms of, like, his... Where I would say his peak, um, the best of Fandango, I feel like, comes after this. Oh, much much later. Much... Yes. This is... This is... Which, is... which is interesting because Fandango, like, did some of his best work in his late 30s. That's true. It's true. Uh, he this is like his first year as Fandango in the company. He had already done the the, the match at WrestleMania with Chris Jericho, and the yeah. night after he was over as all hell. But mm -hmm. it had it, it had slowly kind of drifted since that point. I mean, you're thinking and, we're well, in October, still, right? You could still see a few people doing the the little finger points and everything like that, but. The problem with this match was, like, there's nothing Fandango could do to make Great Kali not Great Kali. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, just because, like, how do you how do you wrestle a match with Great Kali and have it not be a Great Kali match? Right? Uh, I think the only one who's ever successfully had a good... No, I was going to say, the only one who's ever had a good match with him was The Undertaker, and it was not the first one. And that's a scary thought. Um, but John Cena pulled a good match out of Great Kali. It took a lot. It, it was a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, he, literally. Yeah. But Summer Rae 
No disrespect. Also, her first match. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but the problem is it showed. And Natalia, who is, you know, a pretty good pair of hands, just, there was just nothing that could be done. She tried. Um, this match didn't really get going. It was over really quickly. Fandango got the pin for some... No, it was no Summer, Summer Rae got, got the pin. You're right. Summer Rae got the pin for some reason. This was just bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad that Natty had to be involved in it. And to a lesser extent, Fandango, but I feel like, you know... In terms of in terms of who was carrying this match, yeah, poor Natalia. That's my that's my number nine. Uh, my number nine was uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H arguing in the Hell in the Cell match uh, main event. Um, I didn't believe any of this. This was ridiculous. Like, just call the match. Just call the match. And after uh, after uh, Michaels got taken out. Uh, and Triple H going into the cell to check on his friend and just all of this just seems so silly and it unfortunately was taking place during a fairly good wrestling match so I was I was I was low on this as well and I you know what I'll get this out of the way my number eight is Fandango sucks at the, in this era <laughs> like this this era of Fandango like don't get me wrong pair him with Tyler Breeze and you've got magic you've got lightning in a bottle and I love it yes but without him just doing this I'm a salsa dancer but also a wrestler uh it's it's terrible so yeah. I, I I killed two birds with one stone there Kyle um my number eight is AJ Lee tried her damn best um oh it's like the problem that's frustrating is that there are other people on this in this company at this time who would have given her a better match? Yep. Natalia is one of them, speaking of. Yeah. And it, it's just. Yeah, this this happened. Twi- and. Yeah. I don't know if I. I don't know if I have more to say about it. It's just. I feel bad. I wish that. We had gotten something a bit better. Than, than when we got out of this match. And, like, part of me wishes there was more time, but part of me knows that just that I don't know that it would have improved the match. <laughs> so, I, again, I'm very careful to speak ill of the Bellas because. Why? Feel free! Well, so, here's the thing about. Here's the thing about the Bellas is that they're. They are emblematic of an era that WWE promoted, and I'm not going to blame them for be like. It's this. I feel kind of the same way about Eva Marie. Do I blame Eva Marie for like trying her best, or do I blame the company that put her in the position that they did? You know what I mean? That's fair. Like the Bellas are very much what they wanted the divas uh, to be. And it was people like EJ Lee that were moving it in the direction where we see wrestling. Like she's the, um, and it's Shay, you know, they, they, you know, they say the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. And AJ Lee was very much the first one through the wall. She, um, she, 
she sank so that the women's uh, division of modern wrestling could swim. And oh, like looking at the yeah, if you want to go through the list of Divas champions pre Charlotte, it's it's hard to it's hard to look through. It's true. It's very true. Um, and what's what you know? What's frustrating about it? I think for me, the, the most frustrating thing is that women's wrestling pre this was like this felt like a regression to to a certain degree. I agree with you, hundred percent. We while I, while we didn't always have quality wrestling in the Trish Stratus Lita era, uh, it was there, there was an effort made to try to get to that point. We had your and, Victorias, you had your Jazzes, the, you had your yeah, Jacklins. and the focus for a lot of them was wrestling. Yes. And with the, like, uh, when we talk about AJ Lee, with the exception of Beth Phoenix, this era is, and, you know, Natalia, obviously, this era is littered with women who were not brought in to wrestle. But unfortunately did anyway. I mean, the, they were brought in to be wrestlers, but not brought in because of their wrestling ability. Right. Like, I, I want to remind you, the Divas, the Divas, if you want to say this, the Divas Championship Tournament, uh, the final, after a two minute and 50 second match, was uh, Maurice beating Gail Kim, which if that's not telling of the of the whole thing right there. That gives away the whole game right, right there. It, it really it? does. It really does. Um, I'll get to my number seven uh, to to cover this. Um, Cena and Del Rio are who we thought they were. Yeah, um, this, these this guys was, never had a good match with each other, ever. This was what it was. And I don't have more to say about it. Good, because I have even less to say about it later. Um... Los Maradores versus the Real Americans, uh, or as I should call them, the Puerto Rican Bullfighters versus Half Americans, a team of Half Americans. Um, this was a silly, just so silly, so silly, so unnecessary. And what's amazing to me is the Real Americans at one point were a t- tag team that they were taking very seriously. And at some point they were like, nah, cue the Bullfighters. Seb Coulter, man. Yeah, he he is a character. Uh, what's his what's his what was his wrestling name? Um, Dutch Mantel. Dutch Mantel. That's right. Um, it's he he's he's something. He's something. I enjoyed him at this time. Like I enjoyed his character uh, until we got to this kind of stuff, where I felt like it was like, all right, now we're just laughing at him. Uh, his best work, though, done in the uh, the <laughs> the scooter that he used to come out in. <laughs> that was that was gold. Um, yeah, but I don't have much more to say about this besides, uh, really shitty for guys who could all work. Yeah, that's the thing that was so frustrating about it is that, um, I think Jake Hager has proved to be the better wrestler than Jack Swagger. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. But the Colognes and, and Cesaro were all very good workers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know. And then we got this. We got this. Yeah, that's we got El Torito. Yeah, El Torito. Um, all right, that's enough of this. We're gonna move on to my number six. My number six was um, 
I enjoyed CM Punk wailing on Paul Heyman way more than I enjoyed the actual match. Oh. <laughs> you did stretch, definitely. You stretched your 10, that's for sure. I, oh, I, yeah. yeah it, it, certainly that was the highlight, I think, of that match. Um, I, I will... It's... Because... On the one hand, I appreciate Paul Heyman getting one over on on Punk, but it really did hurt the match because Punk was only sort of feuding with Ryback, you know? Right. He was feuding with Ryback by association of the fact that he was feuding with Paul Heyman, right? Yes. So it doesn't feel like this match needed the sell. I appreciated the sell because I don't think this this match would have been worse without it, but... Oh, like, I do appreciate him come, having to uh, store the the kendo stick in his pants as he was climbing yes. up <laughs> his trunks was highly entertaining. And I'm like, my immediate thought when you're do when, when he was like, look, I wonder if his thought was like what my thought was, was like, I better not get any splinters. I, I think the only other way it could have been more entertaining is if he put it in his mouth like a knife, with being like a commando, <laughs> a commando uh, a military guy. Putting, yeah. Yes, but but yeah, also yeah, Paul Heyman, uh, he took those kendo shots like a champion. He did. So I'll give him credit. And <laughs> yeah, um, go to sleep on the on the top. Everyone was very excited for that. Punk was obviously, you know, always some degree of over. No real exception here. Um, I did not enjoy this match. It was just sort of there. But this was at least got the crowd going. Uh, My number six. uh, Miz as a babyface. A terrible idea. (laughs) A terrible, terrible idea. I haven't said anything positive yet, Kyle. No. and uh, it just, this led to him calling out Bray Wyatt, which led to the Wyatt family attacking him, and just n- nothing, really. No, it Kane came no, back. Kane made the no save. sense. On, on yeah, the f- sure he did. That's what Kane did. <laughs> um, did so, The Miz, um, it's, it's the, it is a classic, um... WWE, which is baby faces doing something dumb. <laughs> it, it's it the Miz hobbling out there with his injured ribs. I'm not scared of you, Bray Wyatt. Come out here, you. You're, you we all know your spooky nonsense isn't. He has two goons. Yeah, two big, big he, he goons. Got, he got two of them, and they hit you a lot. Luke Harper just gator rolling him around the ring. I'm just like, there's no (laughs) chance for the Miz here. There's no chance. And that's the thing is, how is this supposed to get him over? I I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking with this. this, Who's and then and then Kane comes back and just makes him look like even more of a goober when he choke slams the Miz. How is this supposed to get the Miz over? Who's, whose idea was this that, that this was going to be the thing that got the Miz over? I I don't know. There's only one thing that can get the Miz over. Um, aside from Father Time got the Miz over. But, and that for whatever reason is our truth. Yes, it's true. It's true. 
Uh, as a face, I should say. Uh, over as a face. Um, yeah, what was your number five? Uh, Del Rio and Cena really was, was, was a bad match. These guys, I don't feel like they ever had a good match together. I always was pretty low on Del Rio. I always thought he was just kind of like there. There was nothing super special about him in ring for me. Like, his, his arm breaker was kind of cool, depending upon who he was in there with. But like, eh, like, I just don't care. I just and, and this storyline was, I believe it was John Cena lost the title to Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam. And in that match, he blew up his fucking elbow. So this was just another one of the stories of John Cena's off for an injury, but he's a superhuman and he's jacked full of steroids. So here he is two months later from an injury that should have kept him out for about eight. Like this is just, that's all that story with the story was like was just no, no, Cena's uh, there. I believe a few years later, Cena would do a U.S. title run. And it was actually a pretty significant, I feel like, run for him because I feel like he had good matches. He had really good matches with a lot of guys and a lot of younger talent and put a lot of guys over in, in a sense that he won, but they got their shit in. And I believe it was the, it, this started right after WrestleMania and this went till October where Del Rio had been fired and then brought back to the company and they had yet another boring ass match in October. I don't, I don't know if it was a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view as well, but Del Rio ended up going over in that one, and it just... I believe it led to him being paired with Zeb Coulter. Huh. <laughs> um, I don't think there's much more to say about that. Yeah, it's true. Uh, number four, Kyle. Or do you have number bad. five? Do you have the, do no, you... I've got number four. Okay. I feel bad. Dean Ambrose and Big E Langston put on what was a pretty good match... And the crowd did not even remotely care. I, yeah, that's higher. I have that higher, but definitely agree. Not for a second did they care about this match. And it's a shame. And, ugh. And I, I, I know this is the era of this, but pay-per-views with non-finishes. <laughs> yes. Especially... Because I was never a person who w- w- had seen a pre-network pay-per-view. I never... Because you couldn't get me to spend... Like, I didn't... I don't remember a time I had $50 to spend on a pay-per-view uh, at that time to begin with. But I couldn't get you know, my parents to tell them to spend $50 on a wrestling pay-per-view. I can't imagine spending 50 bucks to watch Dean Ambrose decide he doesn't care about a match for the U.S. title. Yeah, and that and that being the last like re- the last good wrestling until the main event. <laughs> My number four was I was just happy to see AJ Lee. I didn't even care about the match. It was just nice to see her <laughs> on on wrestling again. It felt like a, a blast from the past, and I do enjoy her work. So I didn't even like once the match started. I think my brain just went, "Nope, we don't need to see any of this." You just we don't need to see her carry. We know who she's going to carry her. We know she's going to win. But it's just, hey, AJ Lee, it's nice to see you again. Uh, That's my number four. I have nothing much more to say about that. That's fair. 
Uh, I'll um, start. Hold on. I will start with my number three though, because it is Ambrose and Biggie. Um, if you think Biggie is a big man now, in 2013, this guy was a fucking brick shit house. I mean, he was a weightlifter. He came from weightlifting. I know, but my god, like, the, and this, I love the, I love the, like, he doesn't do the LeBron James thing, but he does the, the powder on his hands. I love that. He should yeah. still do that. Um, these guys got busted up in this match. A Biggie's eye was fucked when this match was done. Yes. Holy God. Like, and I believe it was, uh, Ambrose got cut up as well. So like, yes, he did. So like they, they were hitting each other really hard. And I agree with you non finish in a match like this. That was just two guys just beating the shit out of each other. Ah, terrible, terrible decision. But I enjoyed the match and it was really cool to see Big E. 10 years ago you know what i mean like that that's kind of yep. same with and then same with moxley and ambrose like it, it uh it was cool to see them in their more youthful days and uh just to see what they had to offer and they're both i believe it was both their first year in the main roster mm-hmm. and it, but just to me the, the the reality is that it's a shame um this was such a a nothing finish to an otherwise very good match and it it felt so anticlimactic. And what's the sh- the shame is that this match was made in the pre-show. <laughs> oh. He was the pay- it, the match was supposed to be uh, Langston versus Curtis Axel for the IC title, if you can believe it. But Axel got hurt, so they did. Uh, um, they did. Uh, this match instead. Biggie Langston, by the way, would go on to win um, the Intercontinental title in November. Right. But, but yeah, the, the, this one was just so... And, and the, the idea of Dean Ambrose not being bothered to... Like, compare that to John Moxley. Can you imagine John Moxley not being bothered to finish a match? No, no. I, 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 I'd say that John Moxley would probably overdo it in a match before he'd, <laughs> before he'd give up and just be like, "Nah, I'm done with this." Yeah. Uh, uh, my number three is Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton. I can't rate this higher because the match was good up until the point where it it stopped being good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Brian got kicked in the face, and Randy Orton won. And and uh, yeah, I, this is I'll I'll spoil this by saying this is my number two. Uh, yeah, I'll, like you know what's amazing about this match is this is a really good wrestling match. You know what this match didn't need to be a Hell in a Cell match. Nope. Like that. That was the most evident thing watching this match was I was like, these guys are really going at it. And this is and like this is an era of Randy Orton. Where Randy Orton would have these slow, boring matches, but he was not having one of those matches. He was having a really good match with Daniel Bryan. And again, the cage just kind of felt like an afterthought. Like what? It wasn't necessary. It was there because this was the Hell in a Cell pay per view, and and we, we talked about on Wednesday Night Wallop uh, Hell in a Cell be uh, going back to just a end to a feud type match as opposed to a yearly pay per view. This is this is the fifth Hell in a Cell pay per view, and by this point, it, this match had been overdone. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I I just I felt like this, and, th- and that's sorry. the other thing is that I am watching this fresh. Right. Without having to have seen this feud all year. Yeah. So, yeah. I can't imagine. 
I mean, at least this one had a finish, sort of. Yeah, but that's the thing is they 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 had the the match the month prior where there was no finish. Which is just, just, again, 50 bucks. Thanks thanks for watching. So this is how it happens. So Brian beats Cena for the WWE title at SummerSlam. Triple H is the special guest referee. He then pedigrees um, of Daniel Bryan. Randy Orton comes out, cashes in money in the bank. And then, yeah, they, they hold up the title in September. And then they have this blow off where they're 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 teasing the fact that because Michaels was off. Like, sorry, they're teasing the fact that because Daniel Bryan went to Shawn Michaels wrestling school, not that he was so much trained by it, but he went to the school. Bryan even has come out and said, like, Shawn was almost never there. Um, But regardless, um, they had that storyline kind of. Oh, God. When when Shawn Michaels got taken down uh with doing the ref bump but i'm like you're a wrestler so you don't have to pretend like that actually hurt you but yeah. he, he goes down and brian is like so frantic sean you have to get up sean you have to get up and make the count sean i'm just like oh my god like this is this is brutal this is brutal and then from that point forward like you said this match just fell the fuck apart yeah triple h gets in there to check on him Making sure Shonda Michaels' eyes are moving different directions like they usually do. Um, and then he basically eats a knee, right? He eats the running knee. Then Shawn Michaels takes exception to this. And then Orton gets the win. And in a match that, like I said, had no reason to be a Hell in a Cell match. Yeah. Let's move on to my number one. I imagine you have the same one. Yes, sir. This opening match is a banger. Oh, my God. So this is an era because I, I I mean I was watching this is an era of wrestling Kyle where I was watching Raw every week every oh. week I didn't miss that shit for for years years I think I was uh, like at this point I was probably on like five years and not, not missing it but anyway um and Cody Rhodes and Goldust have been paired together uh, the storyline was that both of them got fired by the authority. And Dusty Rhodes brought them back and to feud against the Shield. And they were the ones who took the tag titles off the Shield. Um, and they were just having these banger tag. I remember watching Raw every week and going like, the Cody Rhodes Gold Dust match, that's going to be the best match of the show. Shield match is going to be one of the best matches of the show. And they're always like six-man tags where they just, they decided, ah, let's just give them, give them everything. And they, they, this match, they gave us everything. Usos are, are fresh and young and uh Cody's look Cody looked great super over for a guy who Jericho claims was never uh never over before he got to AEW. No. Nope. Uh he like at least for this story or whatever he was over and man the story of Cody Rhodes is is good ideas and feuds that didn't pay off. The following so the Hell in a Cell match the following year or sorry the uh, the tag team title match at Hell in a Cell the following year Stardust and Gold Dust versus the Usos. Sure. Yeah. No. No. None of that. Stardust. Uh, but no. That. Yeah. Like I. I. This match was great. Uh, anything that stood out? Um. I'm trying to think of stuff that stood out in this match. Um. The crossroads is really like, at the end. It was particularly good. Uh, just like seeing the early stages. A lot of, of a lot of the stuff. Like we did see a spear, we we didn't see a ton of Seth Rollins specific offense. Like we didn't see a lot of the the staples of a Seth Rollins match, 
but it was still a very good performance. I thought the Usos did a fantastic job being the sort of the energy guys in this. Yeah. And then, you know, we got some classic Cody Rhodes offense, Goldust, still huffing and huffing, going out there and doing it. Um, to see that all of these people are um, still wrestling today. Yeah. Yeah. Ten years later. Um, including du- uh, Dustin, which is, is wild. And, and it's still, I, I'd say, like, this is an era of Dustin where he comes back as Gold Dust, but he's a different Gold Dust. He had just gotten sober, and he is moving like a, he's moving like he, he back in 1992. Yeah. Um, like, he was moving and great. This is, this is the worst iteration of the Usos, and they still brought it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They were, they were going hard in the paint. They definitely were going hard in the paint. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, that's everybody, everybody did their, their stuff. It was, it was a very, very good match. I've nothing but good things to say about this. It's just unfortunate that after this happened, everything just started going downhill. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, it was a rough go after that. Definitely, uh, definitely a show that I will probably never watch again. Yeah, that seems fair. And that's the thing. It wasn't even that I found anything horribly offensive. It just wasn't interesting. I think the perfect quote from this show was you saying that Fandango and uh, Summer Ray and versus Natalia and Great Kali made you feel nothing. Yeah, yeah, that's about where I'm at. What uh, are you uh, gonna give this show? Uh, what do I give a show? Is I'll say this. Uh, I'll give I'll give some points for effort, and I'll say the tag match is probably earning some stuff on its own. This is gonna get. Uh, I'm between one and a half and two. Let's say two. I'm feeling generous. I was I was also gonna give it a two. I think that the opening tag match and and while I again don't feel like the Daniel Bryan Randy Orton match needed to be a hell in a cell match, uh, it was also a very good wrestling or match. Twenty two minutes. Yes, that too. That too. Definitely. Uh, but I will say like again, and there were a few like there was a couple of matches that were building to something like Ambrose Langston was a good match. Just. The, a wildly um, not very understandable uh, choice to finish or as choices to finish. Agreed. And I'll even say, like, I feel like the Miz was still trying to get his thing figured out as a babyface, but so was Bray Wyatt. This promo was okay, but it was a bit all over the place. I, th- I thought the the Wyatt family was fun to see. I thought the triple threat was obviously great. I thought there was a couple matches that were building to something that were, you know, there was some interest there. But then, after all of that, we had to watch, um, yeah, the Matadors, Alberto Del Rio, and Brie Bella back to back to back. So, boo. Boo, boo. It was the Halloween show, though. So boo fits. Um, Kyle, uh, should we break the news of what next month is going to be anyway? So we're going to try and keep this as monthly as possible. Obviously, our schedules are not going to always line up for that, but that is what I would like to do, and and I believe, Kyle, you're on board with monthly for the the rewind. Uh, That's the plan. Okay. Um, So this will be, this is going to drop, obviously, it's, it's Halloween morning, everybody. Happy Halloween. Um, but the next one, uh, the ne- next month is November, and we are heading towards Survivor Series, which is getting war games for the first time. Kyle, 
I know you don't want to do this. I know you don't. It's WCW Night Rewind. Uh, we're going back to 1992 for Wrestle War. Um, I, I, let me tell you something. That that um, that uh, War Games match better be match of the decade for me having to to watch Big Josh <laughs> and and a pre Raven Raven. <laughs> The Freebirds open her up. No, I, uh, I, I've watched the, the show. Freebirds for 15 whole minutes, man. <laughs> we'll see how Kyle survives next month. We're, that's going to be our, our uh, look at a War Games match. I would like to try and keep that as... Uh, as yearly as possible, just whenever War Games comes around, we take a take a peek at because there's been plenty of great War Games matches throughout history. Um, just you know, Kyle is used to the ones that happen in NXT. Uh, um, those are good ones. They are very very good ones. Absolutely, they're very good ones. So I, I'm not I'm not denying you that, but I'm saying it's time to go back to the year I was born. Thirty years ago, we will travel back in time next month. Kyle, why don't you tell the fine folks who listen to us where to find us on social media? You can find us at WNWallop on Twitter, WNWallop on Instagram, uh, Wednesday Wallop on Facebook. Search us. You'll find us there. If you want to find me on Twitter, you can do so at LeRegendaryKJ. That's L-E-R-E-G-E-N-D-A-R-Y-K-J. Rylan, where can they find you on the Twitter machine? They can find me at at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to a, a, the, the newest Wednesday Night Rewind. And uh, with all that being said, you have been rewound. See ya. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.